In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now, here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone. Tonight, if any of you saw my uh, postings on Facebook and on Twitter, we are going to talk about all things women's orgasmic and female orgasms. Because tonight, my guest is one of the top experts and researchers in that area worldwide, and she is also a, the list of her accomplishments and her acknowledgments from within our peer area of sexuality and sexual health is so extensive that if I read the list for you, we'd be here for the first five minutes. But I'll give you a quick thumbnail. My guest this evening is Dr. Beverly Whipple. She is a certified sexuality educator, sexuality counselor, and sex researcher, and is the co-author of the international bestseller, The G-Spot and Other Discoveries About Human Sexuality. So literally, tonight is the night that if you have a question, it's the time to call in. When I wrote my book, The Big O, orgasms, how to happen, give them, and keep them coming. One of the reasons I did is that so many people asked me, are mine okay? Um, am I having the right kind? Does this seem normal? And I realized there wasn't one place for everyone to go and, and find out of the range of different things, of the multiples, of the different types for women to have. Can they be created by this? So that was something, and Dr. Whipple was one of my sources who helped me and, and helped vet my book. So the G-spot itself is something that people say it, it doesn't occur, it, it, it isn't there. We are going to talk about the studies. We're going to talk about the different types of orgasms. We're going to cover all, the, the, like the range of subjects. So literally, if today is your day to have a question, call in. And the call-in number is 877-864-4869. And I'll repeat that for you, 877-864-4869. Now, Dr. Whipple also just returned from the World Association of Sexology in Glasgow, Scotland, and she was awarded the highest medal of acknowledgement. That is a conference 
for those of us in the area of sexuality. It's held every two years, and she was awarded the gold medal. She's also been given the awards, the top awards from ASEC, the certifying body, the largest certifying body in the world, from Quad S. She was also named by the, and I'm trying to remember which magazine it was, as one of the, you know, top people in, you know, for the top most influential 50 people in the last 50 years. I think it was Nature Magazine. Anyways, Beverly, I believe you were on with me. Beverly, are you with me? I am. I just got the call and went blank for a second, but yes, I'm here, Lou. How are you? (laughs) I am well, thank you, my dear. Well, I would like to have you give people, sort of just give them the background on how and what was it that got you into studying female sexuality? Because you have a degree in nursing, you have a master's in nursing, and then you have your PhD in neurobi- is it neurobiology or physiology? Neuro- okay. Well, uh, it's interesting. I got into um, looking at different responses that women have because, as a nurse, I was teaching women how to do Kegel exercises prevent surgery for a condition called urinary stress incontinence. That's Mm -hmm. when a woman coughs, jumps, or sneezes, she may dribble a little urine. And I was teaching women how to do these exercises using biofeedback. And some of the women had very strong muscles. Now, with stress incontinence, your pelvic floor muscles are kind of weak. And this Mm -hmm. makes sense. And the woman said, well, we... Gee, I only lose fluid from my urethra, the tube you urinate through, uh, during sexual activity. And these women had very strong muscles. So we looked at this fluid and saw that it was very different from urine. It mm-hmm. was a small amount, about a teaspoonful. It was looked like watered-down, fat-free milk. And the woman said it tasted sweet. And chemically, it was very different from urine. And these women also said to me, well, there's an area you feel through my front vaginal wall that seems to stimulate this expulsion of fluid. So Mm -hmm. uh, we had a team look at 400 women, did sexological exams, where you go around the vagina with two fingers saying, how does this feel, how does this feel, like a clock. If a woman is lying on her back, we Mm -hmm. sent 12 o'clock through that area was the most sensitive, between 11 and 1 o'clock in women. And then we found an area that seemed to swell when it was stimulated. And uh, that's how I got into looking at women's sexual responses. And my whole research program, Lou, has been devoted to validating the experiences of women. If women Mm -hmm. say, I have this, or this is what feels good to me, then we validate it in my human physiology laboratory. Now, you have women in your lab who I, I know that one of the things that when I wrote the big O, and I've had other women who we talk of fantasy orgasms, and these women are capable of having an orgasm just by fantasizing, not touching themselves, not doing anything. And they're doing it in your lab situation. That's right, Lou. When I was writing a book called Safe Encounters back in the 1980s with Dr. Gina Ogden, she told me about the women who she had for her doctoral dissertation. She had 50 easily orgasmic women, and of those easily orgasmic women, 64% said that they had orgasm from imagery alone, just Mm -hmm. no one, including the woman herself, touching her body. 
So we designed a study to determine if these orgasms would be similar to orgasm from genital self-stimulation. And we found no difference in all the physiological parameters and perceptual parameters. That is, we compared orgasm from genital self-stimulation and from imagery, and we did it in a counterbalanced way so one wouldn't affect the other. And there were no differences in the increases in blood pressure, increases in heart rate, increases in diameter of the pupil. We measured their pupil and increases in pain thresholds but not touch thresholds. So there were no differences at all in their orgasm. We have since, since we've been doing functional MRIs of the brain, have shown that the same brain areas are activated in the women when they have orgasm from imagery alone, no touching their body, and from genital self-stimulation. We've done many other types of orgasmic responses as well. And uh, as you have, we've called The Science of Orgasm, which is mm-hmm. technical, but also a book um, that just came out in 2010 called The Orgasm Answer Guide. And although it's not as complete as your big O, we did answer the most common questions that people asked us about orgasmic responses. And I'm so glad to hear you say orgasms because there are many different types of sexual responses that women have. I think that's what we have to do is to help women to feel good about whatever it is that brings them pleasure as long as they're not hurting another or exploiting another person and then validate these experiences. And and I completely concur on that. Now, if if someone says to you, I want to become easily orgasmic. Is there a way to have that happen? You know, that's a very good question, Lou, and I don't have the answer to that. What I have really done is not to set orgasm up as a goal, but Mm -hmm. help people to realize what is pleasurable to them, whatever it is that feels good to them, and then to validate these experiences. So rather than set orgasm is an end goal that they have to reach or achieve. I don't even like using those words. I use experience orgasm. Um, I'd rather help women to feel good about what brings them pleasure. And orgasm will come along rather than than reaching out and trying to reach or achieve that as a goal. Mm-hmm. Now, I, that's one of the things when I was writing the big O. I, and it was something that I remember uh, Dr. Bernie, Bernie Zilbergeld said when he spoke of what, how great lovers refer to themselves, they often, it isn't something that is about penetration, nor is it um, only about an orgasm. He said often, many of these people, that is not something that they're able to do, but their perception of how they are loving and being great lovers with one another. And if that is how someone holds it, you know, have at it, and hallelujah. I, I completely, and Bernie has made such a great contribution to the field of sexual health and with his work with men and their sensuality and sexuality. And he, what I loved about him was his, his complete cut-to-the-chase kind of attitude. He was, uh, it was a loss for our field. And we probably have 90 seconds before our first break. So for those of you who may have a question and would like to call in, we have an 877 number, which is 877-864-4869. Repeating again, 877-864-4869. My guest this evening is Dr. Beverly Whipple, co-author of The G-Spot. 
And I actually have here in front of me her two most recent books, The Science of Orgasm and The Orgasm Answer Guide. And I'm going to have her answer some of the things in there for me. We'll go over them over the break. And also, when we come back, I would like to go over all the different types of orgasms that women are capable of having and what Dr. Whipple has seen have been the most unique orgasms that you have witnessed in your labs. Because I know that there are times when people will walk up to me and go, have you ever heard of this? And I'm sure, Beverly, people have done exactly the same thing to you. Absolutely. Now, we have our break coming up in probably 20 seconds. Again, my guest is Dr. Beverly Whipple. We're talking about all things orgasmic for women, the different types, how they can happen, and then we're going to come back and we're going to give validation to all of you on your questions. I have some of them here in front of me. And again, now here come the tunes. Please stay with us. We will be right back. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. The 25 breaks a couple of tackles. And look at him go! He could go all the way! Touchdown! 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 Get ready for some football. Talk, that is, with Confessions of a College Football Rules Violator with Lance Siegel on toginet.com Tuesday nights at 11 Central. This is your chance with Lance and his friends to share opinions about last weekend's sporting events. All the sports networks and TV shows have shown their top ten at least a hundred times. And the commentators and guest analysts have gone over every single slow motion instant replay, and yet there are still some of us fans who want to wring the referee's neck or fire the coach or kick the player off the team. So let's do it. Here with Confessions of a College Football Rules Violator. So enjoy next week's games, then be here to talk about them. With Lance, it's cathartic, soul-cleansing, and gives you one more chance to scream about a bad call. It's Confessions of a College Football Rules Violator with Lance Siegel. Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central on toginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, the historical, how have the Amish survived for 400 years, how can we hold on to what we hold dear, and the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. 
It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, is my, my guest is Dr. Beverly Whipple, who is the co-author of The G-Spot, The Science of Orgasm, and the Orgasm Answer Book, because the focus of our uh, talk this evening is on orgasms. And we decided at the break that we would go straight in to uh, the G-Spot, um, its stimulation, the orgasm, and all of the things about it. So, Beverly, take it away. Well, I just think it's interesting because this was back in the 1970s when I was working with the women uh, doing the Kegel exercises, and they told us about this sensitive area. And when we found this in women, that it was this area they pushed through the anterior, the front wall of the vagina. If a woman's lying on her back, use two fingers, lubricate it, and push up into that front wall. And uh, it's start stimulating it with like a come here motion that swells when it's stimulated. And some women find this very, very pleasurable. The first time it's touched, women feel like, oh, I have to urinate. But after a few seconds, it becomes a very pleasurable sensation for most women. Not everybody, because we're all different, we're all unique. But we went to the literature and wondered, what was this? And a colleague of mine, when he heard me talking about this at an at a ASEC meeting, said, oh, Beverly, you should call that the Whipple Tickle. And I thought, we're not having that. But we find an article written in 1950 by Dr. Ernst Grasenberg. Mm-hmm. This sensitive area that you feel through the anterior of the front vaginal wall and the explosion of fluid occurs with stimulation in this area. We thought it was appropriate to name it after Dr. Grasenberg. He was an OB obstetrician gynecologist from uh, Germany came to the United States, and he had developed the first IUD, the Grafenberg Rig. And a few years ago, I received an email, this was really very moving to me, from a woman, who this was the first email she had ever written. She had been Grafenberg's medical assistant 10 years when he was in New York City on Park Avenue when he had his practice there. And she was ill in a rehab hospital, and her daughter showed her computer, and they looked up on the computer, Dr. Grafenberg found an article I wrote about his life, and uh, she sent her first email to me, and I went and met her, and we filmed the meeting, and she gave me uh, two of the first IUDs that were ever developed by Dr. Grafenberg. So I really feel that we honored very important man in early sexology, and uh, so we found that stimulation of the area of the Grafenberg spot leads to an orgasm that physiologically is different from the orgasm from stimulation of the clitoris. Mm-hmm. The clitoris stimulated is stimulating the pudental nerve, and the response at orgasm is in the pelvic floor muscles, what Masters and Johnson call the orgasmic platform, or the PC muscles, and the vagina balloons out and the uterus pulls up. Mm-hmm. of the Grafenberg spot, you're stimulating the uh, pelvic nerve, and the uterus pushes down into the vagina, and it's kind of like a bearing down sensation or valsalva maneuver, and it pushes out. Physiologically, the orgasm is felt very differently. Women say they feel it throughout their entire body. Then, of course, you can have an orgasm from stimulation of both areas at the same time, the clitoris and the G-spot, and you're stimulating a number of nerve paths 
And since then, we've also uh, uh, we have also mapped uh, other types of orgasmic responses that women have that we can talk about later. But I just wanted to mention that not everyone enjoys stimulation of the G spot, and I think it's really important for people to be aware of what it is they acknowledge this to themselves, and then communicate to their partner what they like, because each woman is unique, each woman is different, and we all like different things. And even in the same woman, one day she may like one thing, and one day she may like another type of stimulation. So I think it's important for women to be aware of what feels good to them, and not go out searching for the G-spot or searching for experiencing um, ejaculation or searching for multiple orgasms. I mean, it's something that for women, I mean, and I, I make this comment that it's not a bit of a wonder that women, you know, we spend our entire lives, even from the time we're little, realizing we can't go out the door unless we've got ourselves put together, kind of like we're not good enough just the way we are. And then when we're being, you know, intimate with someone, it's not also a bit of a wonder that we have a thing of like, oh, my God, am I going to be okay? And so our bodies are so often, I, I mean, you never talk about some woman, you know, going out in with the natural look and that being okay. Mm-hmm. So we have so many judgments about what we do physically, and that, of course, carries over into the area of sexuality. But one of the things you and I both know, Beverly, is that the performance anxiety that is there for during sexuality and during intimacy is there for both for both women and for men whether they're you know in a straight relationship a gay relationship it you know gender fluid relationship and yet we need if we have as you would say more validation for people Mm-hmm. And if we have better sources for them to go to, that is the thing I, I also want to do. I want to clean the Vaseline off the windshield so that women are not being told nonsense information. And when we speak of the G-spot and we speak of you know female ejaculation, for those women who have it happen, it happens. And I remember having this conversation with uh, Dr. Gamem on um, when... A female ejaculation occurs, and it occurs before the orgasm, not at the moment of orgasm. In some women, and some women doesn't even isn't even related to orgasm. Some women have female ejaculation without orgasm. So everybody is different. Everybody is unique, and I think that's wonderful. I also think, Lou, it's important for us to get across to men and women that women do not have one linear sexual response. Women don't follow a linear pattern. There, all, there are many different responses that women have, and sometimes they're aroused before they have a desire. So we can't put women into a pattern of only one way to respond. Women are more circular, and they like different things at different times. So, Very, very much so. And I think the reason that we have had that happen is that all of the initial research into the area of female sexuality and female function had hit foundation on male sexual function because that was the only thing you know, that was the only languaging they knew. And Masters and Johnson tried to fit women into the male linear model and women don't fit into that. So we I'm, most assuredly don't. <laughs> really important to realize, hey, we're not many men. We are women and we're different and we have many different sensual and sexual responses and we have to feel good about that. And that's what my whole research program has been 
devoted to validating the very different experiences that women have and enjoy. We talked earlier about orgasm from imagery alone or fantasy. We mm-hmm. talked about orgasm from G-spot stimulation. And I think one of the most moving experiences I had in my laboratory is as a nurse back in the 70s and 80s, I heard a lot of women say to me that they have uh, orgasmic responses. These are women with complete spinal cord injury who have been mm-hmm. by the medical community because they have no feeling and no movement. They can't experience orgasm. If they do, it's a phantom. And these women said, no, it's real. And I wrote some chapters about this, that women do report experiencing orgasm. And then when we measured them in my human physiology lab, it was just amazing. These women came in, you know, in their wheelchair, uh, Uh no feeling or movement below certain levels of the body. And yet they were able to experience orgasm. They stimulated the area, well, they stimulated the area of the G spot. They stimulated the cervix of the uterus, self-stimulation, and an area above their level of injury. And I still remember one woman who had her injury two years before she came into my lab, and she had not tried any type of self-stimulation because she was told she could not experience orgasm. She had, and we had. 12-minute periods, uh, four different 12-minute periods in which they used different types of stimulation, she had 16 orgasms. Wow. And she was crying and I was crying. She said, I didn't even know this was possible. Well, you and I both know that one of the things that often happens for anyone with any type of physical injury or any disability, they immediately start being treated like they are asexual. Absolutely, and it's so important for us to to validate experiences and let people know they are so still sexual beings. They are women who just happen to have a spinal cord injury or happen to have a disability. We shouldn't even label them by their disability. They are people first, and they're thank people. you. And and I'm going to have Dr. Mona on next week. Oh, wonderful. Linda is just great. That's wonderful. And, you know, she is, you know, such a strong proponent of, you know, sexuality and, you know, looking at that and giving people, she, you know, stands up and like, excuse me, no, 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 no. Now, so we the one even go into that tonight since she's going to be covering that next week. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Now, the, uh, just to let people know, my guest tonight is Dr. Beverly Whipple, and the m- magazine article that I did not have clear in my head, it was The New Scientist, and that was in um, for its 50th anniversary in 2006, named her one of the 50 most influential scientists in the world. And her work has gone, I mean, Beverly, let me ask you, do you find that we have two minutes until our next break. Do you find that women, wherever you have spoken worldwide, have similar orgasmic responses, or are there things that change based on the culture? No, I don't think it's changed based on the culture. I think women do have many different responses. Some of them have not been able to talk about them before they hear me speak, and I think that's why it's so important. Lou, I've been so blessed. I've spoken in 88 countries internationally, and women all around the world. Just, it's just amazing. They just want to say thank you for validating them or for giving them information that they've never had before. So my latest book I did with uh, co-authors who are Christian, Jewish, and Muslims, 
I wanted to be sure not that we were covering different religions, but that we were covering different cultural aspects, and we were being aware of different cultural aspects about orgasmic responses. Exactly. Now, my guest is Dr. Beverly Whipple. The book is The Orgasm Answer Guide, and we will be right back with Sex Talk with Lou. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Renowned and gifted psychic medium, Sylvia Rossi, explores the mysteries of this life, the afterlife, and the unseen world that surrounds us all. In the show called Make Contact with Sylvia Rossi, Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central here on Toginet. Sylvia Rossi with her special guests and other fellow psychics invite you to call in and make contact with the world beyond and get answers to your questions. Psychic medium Sylvia Rossi has been sharing her gift professionally for the last 17 years. Sylvia has made it her mission to help individuals and families understand their eternal connection to loved ones that have passed on, bringing relief and comfort to countless souls who have been touched by her gift. She's had the privilege of meeting and working with many psychologists who continue to recommend their clients to her when conventional methods have failed. Now it's your turn to make contact with host and psychic medium Sylvia Rossi. Wednesdays at 2, 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, at 11, 10 Central on toginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette, on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. For any of you who might be listening live, we do have a call-in number for you. And when I find it underneath my buried papers here, there we go. It's 877-864-4869. Repeating again, 877-864-4869. And my guest this evening is Dr. Beverly Whipple. And as the author of, co-author of the G-Spot, the Orgasm Answer Guide, and the Science of Orgasm, 
one of the, you know, we spoke earlier of wanting to validate women's experiences. One of the things, Beverly, I also want to touch on is an area for me that is really troubling, is the misinformation that women are getting relative to their own genitals and relative to the G-spot. And there is a physician by the name of Matlock who created a program that he has been marketing uh, worldwide, telling people and telling women and physicians, come take my course and then you will be able to go out there and fix women's genitals because there's something wrong with them. And I don't know, Beverly, if I've told you this um, experience that I had with Matlock. He happens to be down here just on um, Sunset Boulevard. Uh, or that's where the office was at the time. And I was here with a colleague, and I wanted to see what this so-called vaginal laser rejuvenation therapy was that he was marketing. And so I made an appointment to go in and to see what it was. And um, Dr. Ganem went with me. And he, Matlock, was furious that I was there. Well, I wasn't there to do anything other than to get information. And he had this whole thing built up with all of this PR. And when I asked and I said, is there anything you can show me? They showed a book of the before and after photos of these women's vulvas. Now, they showed the women's vulvas immediately after they had come out of surgery. Now, anyone who's had any type of surgical or any type of injury knows that the majority of swelling occurs within two to three days. Hmm. So we're looking at something that isn't what the final you know, representation is going to look like anyway. Now, there are surgeries that are upper vaginal vault and pelvic floor surgeries that some women need to have done as a result of, you know, many, you know, um, deliveries or difficult deliveries, or they have ligaments that have dropped and they have a prolapsed vagina or uterus. But, you know, there's, there's, those surgeries are absolutely there for a reason. But telling women that they have to have a certain look of a labia and a certain look of a vagina in order to be considered appealing, I'll tell you, Beverly, when I've asked men, would it make a difference for you the size of a woman's labia if she was going to do autologous, like harvest fat from one area of her body and inject it into her labial lips? Would that be important for you? And you know what their comment is? Well, as long as the lips get out of the way, that's all I care about. Well, I just think it's absolutely, to me, it's unethical because they're telling women that this is how they should look. We're all unique. We're all different. Look at Betty Dodson's book, For the Beautiful mm -hmm. Flowers, the different labia and how she associates them with different flowers. They're absolutely beautiful. But, Lou, I'm really upset because uh, this person is franchising and marketing something called the G-Shot. There is... There are no double-blind, placebo-controlled studies, nothing published on any studies, and yet he's injecting collagen somewhere into the anterior vaginal wall. He doesn't even look at where the G-spot is and says that this enhances sexual pleasure. And he does it every three months for, I think it's only $2,000. And it's just absolutely deplorable. And there's a documentary that's not out here in the United States yet on my work. It's called... Mm -hmm. G-spotting, a story of pleasure and promise. And uh, they show him in it, and he's just absolutely beaming from ear to ear about this G-spot shot that he has created. And there's no study on it. There's nothing to say 
that this works. This is effective. There's absolutely nothing. And yet he's making so much money on this. And it, well, it, it, it hurts me to see women doing this when there's nothing to back it up. Well, the only thing that is there to back it up is that he has a very, very skilled PR and marketing machine putting it out there. What it does require, Beverly, is having people who know what the real truth is, someone like yourself and someone like me, who will then say, listen, there is nothing there. You are being sold a bill of goods. What I have, my concern is, is that he preys on women, telling them they have to look a particular way. When we know that the majority of the images that are being presented to women in any type of adult material is they are completely... Um, they are uh, digitally retouched. They remove all the inner labia if they happen to be protruding. Can't have that showing because Lord knows that's not supposed to be there. But what they also do is they give a skewed vision of what women's bodies look like. Unless you are seeing, most women don't know what another woman looks like up close and personally, you know, what their genitals look like. So all they have are these images, and many of those women have had something done to them. Here's the thing I think women have to know. And then I'm also going to talk about what another um, friend of mine who is a physician who does work um, internationally is that Matlock, it's David Matlock is his name, Matlock is going into and marketing into the Middle East and telling these women that they need to have um, labial surgery done and the G-shot done. And she said, Lou, I want you to talk to these women. And I, I have been. I've been speaking to them and saying, look, this is what you have to know. This is what the factual information is. Do not be sold. And what he's doing is he's going after wealthy women in that area of the world. And you know, most women you say haven't seen other women's genitals. Most women haven't even looked at their own genitals to see how beautiful they are. They're taking someone else's value or opinion or money-making scheme. And I just think it hurts women so much. And I want to help women, not hurt them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I completely concur, Beverly. What I let women know is, first off, where this surgery is being done, if there are many women who end, I had a, a um, woman who was a documentary filmmaker. She was with, I believe she was with NBC at the time. And she called me up and she asked me if I would be willing to speak on what my opinion is on what um, Matt Locke is doing. I said, I have no problem doing that. And I said, I can give you the physiological. I can give you the background. I you know, have the people who, you know, yourself included, that I would bring in. And what they were trying to do is show what he had done to these women. But what they couldn't get were any of the women who had been hurt by him, dyspareunia, painful intercourse, who had, as a result of this, had they no longer were enjoying sex, period. What people didn't talk about was the scarring that could occur. They didn't talk about the loss of sensitivity as a result of the labia. They didn't talk about the damage to the pelvic hypogastric nerve area. And that is something... And, She literally said, unfortunately, we could not get any of the women to come on camera. They were too scared of him. It's such a shame. It really is such a shame. But what I think we... The damage to the nerves without... uh, This really concerns me. You know, there are four nerve pathways that are involved just in the genital region and sexual response, not even getting into other areas that are involved. But... 
you know, the damage to these nerves, we're even doing studies now on women pre- and post-hysterectomy to look at sensitivity and look at what type of stimulation do they prefer. And then does does just a hysterectomy disturb these nerve pathways? It just depending on oh. many are disturbed or cut. Oh. Yes. And then just have something done as a as a cosmetic and to inject collagen in without any test on this and call well, it G-shot. I mean, this really scares me. Well, it's also a similar thing to what they had done in the 60s and 70s when they were doing all the marketing of all the, you know, vaginal fresheners and everything. And, and the other thing I want people to know, I know we've gotten really comfortable with the term vagina, but a little FYI, when you're looking at a woman's genitals, unless you have a speculum, chances are you're not seeing the vagina. You're seeing the vulva, okay? Mm-hmm. Just, I just, sorry, I just have to be a little bit of a geography nut on that one. Now, let me ask you, Beverly, my understanding for women having hysterectomy, which is probably one of the most unnecessarily overused surgeries in this country, you know, if they don't understand it, they slice it out. If we, we were lobbing off men's genitals the way they do women's, man, oh, man, there'd be a whole, you know, a whole new way of, you know, approaching this. When I have told women, whatever you do, if you do not have to have the cuff of skin around the cervix removed, do not do that. Keep that intact because once those nerves are gone, they're gone. And keep the cervix intact if you're able to. A hysterectomy does not mean removal of the cervix. It means removal of the uterus. Mm-hmm. And the cervix has the hypogastric, the pelvic, and the sensory base nerves there. And we have found this is how women with complete spinal cord injury experience orgasm because the vagus nerve, which innervates the cervix of the uterus, goes around, bypasses the spinal cord, and goes directly to the brain. And we have mapped this with functional uh, PET scans first and now functional neurosis of the brain. And we know the areas that are activated. And we know that these women with complete spinal cord injury do indeed experience orgasm. We've identified the nerve pathway. And then these pathways are cut, severed, or taken out when they have a certain gynecological surgery, especially hysterectomies where they remove the cervix. So you're so right. We need to retain as much as we can. And we also need to look at well, why is the hysterectomy being being done and what happens to sexual yeah, and I, what I've told women, we have one minute until our break, and my guest this evening is Dr. Beverly Whipple. We're talking about the things that do concern us that are impacting and in our way not validating what women's sexual pleasure and telling them, you know, you've got to have something fixed because something's wrong, and I'm telling you it's a different image than it needs to be. But what I also have told women, whatever you do, have a discussion with the physician and do not tell them you're going to do anything until they can explain to you what the sexual ramifications are going to be and the sensation ramifications. Well, needless to say, the physicians don't have a clue. Now, we have probably 10 seconds, but we will educate them and we will bring them up to, up to speed and let them know more. My guest is Dr. Beverly Whipple. I'm Lou Padgett. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after this break.
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Get ready for the Not-So-Soccer Mom, Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central, on Toginet with Jill Hickey. You name it, from politics to pop culture to Jill's search for the perfect bronzer and chicken salad. The Not-So-Soccer Mom will weigh in on it all. The sentence, I have no opinion about that, is one that Jill has never uttered. In the early 90s, Jill finally decided to put her thoughts, opinions, mom advice, love of pop culture, hummus, and Starbucks, working out, cosmetic shopping, and politics into an actual website and thus NotSoSoccerMom.com was born. Shortly after her fourth child, a boy, Jerome, now she's really got tons of topics to share with you. This is Laugh Out Loud Funny, and we're not kidding. What's a loud Nebraska girl who lived in Little Rock for many years and now is up in the Northeast doing, chronicling her opinions on everything? The wheels aren't off yet, but it's close. It's the Not-So-Soccer Bomb with Jill Hickey. Tuesday afternoons at 1 Eastern, noon Central on toginet.com. You heard? The pages of American Patchwork and Quilting magazine come to life on our new weekly online radio show, American Patchwork and Quilting. Join Pat Sloan, our blogging and quilt designer host, as she talks about the latest trends, ideas, and inspirations. Her guests include quilt pattern designers, authors, quilt shop owners, and our editors. All quilters, just like you. Call in with your questions. Get quilting tips from industry experts. Learn about free patterns. Hear behind-the-scenes stories from our magazines, American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilt Sampler, and Quilts and More. Get the scoop on free stuff. And find out more about the best independent quilt shops in North America. To listen to a live show, tune in Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Just log on to allpeoplequilt.com slash radio. To hear past shows, go to iTunes and search for American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. We hope you'll join us because we know that quilting changes everything. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Beverly Whipple, and before the break, we were talking on subjects of the things that concern us, the, the messages that women are being given that are being delivered based on, let's see if we, we can make a dollar off the fact that these women are ignorant about their bodies, and we'll market them and tell them, you need this from us. Um, the G-Shot. Uh, there is no studies, there are no studies to back up, no double-blind studies to say that this actually works. Now, Beverly, would the placebo effect be responsible for these women saying something might make feel better? It certainly could, or just ingesting sterile water could could. But we don't know. We need the studies to document this, and there has been no double-blind placebo-controlled studies. So we and don't explain know. Explain to people what a double-blind placebo study would look like. It, there are studies in which the uh, person receiving the treatment and the person giving the treatment doesn't know if this is the treatment itself, such as the injection of collagen into the anterior wall that they call the G-shot without even looking for the G-spot, or, say, injection of some type like just sterile water. 
That would be the placebo. And we'd have to look at what are the results after. Um, it's the same as you're doing drug studies. You do placebo or the drug, and the person giving it and the person receiving it doesn't know. So that's what I mean by a double-blind placebo-controlled study. And there are studies in which a drug doesn't work, and we have no idea uh, about this injection of collagen into the vaginal wall. So I'm just very concerned about women spending all this money, and we don't know if it's a placebo effect. We don't know if it's real. We don't even know if there's an effect from it. So I think it's really important for women to know what's being done to their bodies, to know their bodies, to understand their bodies. Experiment with your body. Find out what feels good to you. Find out what it is you like. It's so important. Yeah, and don't be thinking, just because you've seen a video on it or you've seen something else on it, that is not necessarily going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love the um, expression of um, Hartman, Fithian, and Campbell referring to a woman's orgasm as being like an orgasmic fingerprint. It's uniquely hers. And there's so many different things throughout a woman's life that are going to be impacting her ability to be orgasmic or her willingness to want to go to that level of pleasure. And, you know, from puberty to pregnancy, for some women, they have said when I wrote my book, Hot Mamas, Sexuality During Pregnancy and Immediately Thereafter, that was one of the things women said they had had some of their best orgasms when they were pregnant. Mm-hmm. It may have taken longer. <laughs> There's so much, you know, we have all these myths out there and all this misinformation. So, Louis, it's wonderful that you're doing this program. It's wonderful for all the books you've written. And I have something from one of my books called Safe Encounters called An Extra Genital Matrix in which I help women to map their body out. There's 36 parts of the body, 15 types of touch, and a column for whatever other type of touch you want to add to Uh help people to map what they find sensual and sexual to them, what brings them pleasure and what doesn't. You know, some people love for someone to blow in their ear, and other people want to barf if that happens. <laughs> Your own body, you know, what feels good to you. And we're all different. You know, we all, sometimes you like vanilla ice cream, sometimes we like chocolate ice cream. Let's honor who we are and feel good about ourselves and learn about our bodies and what our bodies can help. Our bodies can bring us pleasure and satisfaction. I, I, Beverly, the, the, the blowing in the ear and the tongue in the ear, I often will tell men in the gentleman's seminar, mm-hmm. because I, what I know is, bless us as human beings, we really are rather predictable. And we will often touch the way that we prefer to be touched. Absolutely. So men will often touch more firmly and more directly to action spots, mm-hmm. and women will tend to touch more lightly and tentatively. And again, it's a hormonal issue. The testosterone, the androgenic hormones, give men and have men have thicker and denser skin. That's also why they can typically suntan more, more quickly, and it's also why they don't wrinkle as quickly as women do. So... But, but men often will touch the way they prefer to touch themselves. Absolutely. We often will do something to our partner that we mm-hmm. would like partners to do to us. Yeah, and, and so, so what I tell men is, like, gentlemen, even though, and I actually, Beverly, you 
perfect person to talk to about this. I actually think that we should do a study and see what the nerves are that are inside of men's ears. Because we know, you know how men age, they get the hair in their ears? Mm-hmm. So we know that that's an androgenic receptor site, same way as the chest and, and the auxiliary armpit and groin area. So we know that there are androgenic cells in their ears that sprout these hairs because for some men, a tongue in the ear is an off-the-charts move. It is a beeline for an amazing erection. Mm-hmm. So I think, I don't think we'd have any problem getting people to volunteer to do it, but I think there needs, we could do something that could show that there really is like a straight line right into the brain. Yeah, well, we are, we are doing, you couldn't believe this, Lou, but we are doing a study with the ear now, looking at the part of the vagus nerve that's stimulating, looking at what happens in the brain. So we... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't believe it. We've never talked about, but we are doing a study very similar to that. So that is, that's great because many men will will put a, their tongue in a woman's ear, thinking it feels great, mm-hmm. and for the woman, it's like get like, away from there. <laughs> it's like yuck! My head feels like it's in a dishwasher. That's disgusting. Right. right. <laughs> but when when we go back to the where's the other little questions that I had here for you? Ah, what are? Tell me about the study that said that the G-spot did not exist. Oh, there was a study uh, that got a lot of press. There was a study about twins, and they asked twins many, many questions. And one of the questions they asked was, do you have this area that's called the G-spot? And they described it as being in the wrong place, but that's not the point. The point is they asked twins. And because they didn't get 100% agreement between identical twins, they said, well, there's no G-spot because the identical twins would have the same area. Well, we don't know. Did the identical twins have the same partners? Did they use the same position of interest? Well, I mean, you know what? I'll, I'll, you can't I'll, be saying there's no G-spot on one study like that that wasn't even worded appropriately. And then they, did, they eliminated any woman who said she was uh, lesbian or bisexual because they use digital stimulation. Well, that's the best way to stimulate the area of the G-spot. And other ways to stimulate it are with the man on top, uh, with the woman on top. Because she controls the action. And they didn't ask any of those questions. So how can they say based on one question which has... No. Uh, well, as, a, as an identical twin, I rarely speak about myself, but I will tell you right now, we are identical. We are mirror image identical. I am dominant right hand. She's dominant left. We look in the mirror. I I look in the mirror. I see her. Mm. And I will tell you flat out, we do not have or like the same things. We do not like or enjoy stimulation of the same areas. And and that is really, really important. But they said, no, it must be genetically controlled, so therefore it can't be. Which is absolutely balderdash. (laughs) There's a whole lot of... A publicity for their study, and they're even in this film on my the documentary on my work. But uh, you know, we know that this is not so, and there's been a lot of other data since we did our original work at the G Spot showing what the area is, where it is, and everything else. Part of it is the female prostate gland that's been well documented, and uh, so it's it's just interesting. Now, so we have like a couple of minutes left. Where do you feel research for female sexual pleasure and orgasms needs to be headed? And I love 
that your book, The Orgasm Answer Guide, has, you know, someone who is Jewish, someone who is Muslim, you know, yourself, and you know, bringing the different cultures all together. Oh, I think we have to. I think we have to be more open to different cultural experiences and not try to impose. This is the Western way, so this is the way everyone should be. We can't do that. And no, we can't. It's really no. important for us to be sensitive to and hear what women say that brings them pleasure and encourage them and even just as simple as giving them permission, which is what you're doing here on this film, to, uh, excuse me, on this show, to enjoy themselves and to enjoy what they enjoy and what feels good to them. And uh -huh. try to fit into this one mold of only one way to respond because that is not, that is not right for all women. Every woman is different. I've said this how many times in this hour? I'm sorry, but we're all unique and we all like different things at different times. Yeah. Now, celebrate how you enjoy sensual and sexual pleasure and satisfaction and feel good about it. Feel good right. about yourself. Right. Now, here's questions. I'm, I'm just going through your orgasm um, answer book. And, you know, cephalgia, you know, can an orgasm cause headaches? These are some of the questions that are answered in this book. Can an orgasm cause a heart attack? The answer to that, Beverly? No, it, the orgasm itself cannot cause a heart attack according to all the studies that have been out there. But if, if a person has sex with a, uh, a partner who is not their normal partner in a very stressful situation after a big meal, after a lot of drinking, they could have a heart attack. It's not necessarily the sex itself. It's all the other factors that are in. Exactly. You don't die in the saddle with your wife. You die in the saddle with your mistress. Yeah, that, that's been shown in many, many studies. So uh, I think, you know, we, we have to be aware of the fact that there are many studies. We try to make them very simple. In the, mm -hmm. it, both books were published by Johns Hopkins University Press. And we just try to get as much information out there as we can for people. Try to help them the same as you do, Lou. You're doing this program. You've written all the books that you have. Trying to help people to feel good about themselves. And absolutely. No, absolutely. And these books, for anyone, Dr. Whipple's book, The Orgasm Answer Guide, is written in very straightforward language. It tells you it is... You know, and in the way that I like it, it's like, what is the use spot? What is this? What is that? And they're the type of questions that, as sex educators, both might, you know, for both of us, we want people to get the information in a way that works best for them. Beverly, thank you so much for being my guest. We have probably another 10 seconds. And if anyone wants to look at her work, it's Beverly Whipple, W-H-I-P-P-L-E, and the link will be up on TogiNet. Thank you for being with me tonight, Beverly. Thank you so much, Lou. It's been delightful to talk with you again. Okay, take care, my dear. Thank you. Bye for now. Take care, Thank everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you for Bye -bye. being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget. 